0: Hello, Europe, and welcome to the early education show. How are we going? It's Eurovision Day. Yeah. I'm Liam.
1: I'm Lisa, and I'm Leanne.
0: <laughs> this is a desperate, cynical marketing ploy. Actually, I don't know how my marketing is going to, but this is this is our Eurovision themed episode. Eurovision's on tonight. Are we? Are we is everyone excited?
2: Yes, mm-hmm. incredibly yes, yes. excited. No, yes. But but we still haven't clarified whether it's actually on TV or whether maybe. People will be thinking this is much better entertainment than um, than watching Eurovision, I think which so. we think is on tonight or absolutely. tomorrow night or some night, anyway.
0: I think we all need to be clear we're all wearing fantastic, fabulous outfits tonight.
1: Yeah, Leanne, yeah. you look absolutely resplendent tonight. Oh, like, I'm you. just amazed that you can pull together that costume so quickly.
2: Yeah, I put a bit of time into it, so I appreciate that, um, Lisa. But I have to say, I mean... You looked amazing. It's just incredible, and your your hair, unbelievable. Yep, got it there, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Fant- fantastic. So yes, we will be. We are, we're, our main topic for tonight uh, won't necessarily be specifically Europe but we will be. Uh, we're going to be touching on some Europe-based stuff later on because um, we, we we couldn't avoid it. It's probably one of it's uh it's the the go-to. For the year for me and Lisa, I'm surprised how quickly you turned on Eurovision because you used to uh, regularly look, mock us for our, our liking of Eurovision.
1: To be honest, I still do. I was quite—I <laughs> was literally shocked a few years ago to discover that all of these nice, normal, same people that I communicate with over social media, like Le- Leanne and Liam, and um, you know a whole heap of other people in the early education and care sector all became these eurovision tragics and i was like ah let me out of here i thought these people were sane, but i've made a a concerted effort this year to get on board and to get into the spirit of things hence my costume tonight you know so we'll just see how i can how we can go
0: so you know you can live tweet it lisa i'll be looking forward
1: to that this year uh, yes, okay, that means I've got to actually watch it. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, whatever you say, I'll I'll join in that with...
2: There are so many memorable moments, but what I actually like about the live tweeting of Eurovision is that inevitably early childhood people end up tweeting exactly the same things. So I think that, <laughs> and I do recall the hamster wheel at one stage was uh, something quite incredible. Maybe it could have been last year or the year before where there was a contestant
1: that actually looked like they were performing. Oh, love a bee the the prop.
0: Love a big prop. It's, it's
1: incredible. incredible. and the other thing I really enjoyed about it was how. Political enemies within the sector, or not political enemies, but people from, you know, from the the uh, for profit peaks and people from the community based peaks, actually came together over over Eurovision. That's the spirit of Eurovision, Lisa. Healing, yeah, healing. That's exactly
0: what Eurovision's for. There you go.
2: That's it. Maybe maybe Eurovision can broker a solution to all of the early childhood issues in this country.
0: Detente (laughs) in early childhood, let's hope. (laughs) Um, And before we get on with the news list, it was uh, Lisa and I were back in the same state slash territory again, Lisa. It was great to see you. I know. forgot forgot
1: to get a photo
0: to prove it. Oh, we didn't. Well, I think there's there's a couple of random photos you can find on Twitter and LinkedIn, but um, the organisation I uh, work for hosted a forum in the ACT on a whole bunch of changes the sectors so as well as the national quality agenda changes and the jobs for families legislation in the ACT. we're also launching uh, reportable conduct schemes. there's a huge amount of changes coming to the ACT and um, we bundled Lisa on a plane very early in the morning. Um and at very low temperatures, which I'm sure Lisa will refer to uh briefly soon. Yes. <laughs> um for a for a great chat on uh, in in front of about hundred and twenty people in the ACT sector. So thank you, Lisa, for coming and which is it's it's always oh, good and lovely to see you in me. person.
1: Yeah, it was lovely to see you too, but I think, you know, I looked at the faces of those 120 people as we revealed, you know, more and more about what the changes might mean at service level. And I think I saw some slightly worried faces. So, it'll be interesting just the amount of change that's going to happen.
2: So, they hadn't envisioned the changes and, and what would actually occur
1: in July and onwards? I think some of them they had. Like, I think a lot of the National Quality Standard changes and, um, uh, you know, the changes to the National Quality Framework, the law and the regulations, I think people had their heads around. But some of the changes consequent on the Jobs for Families package, I think possibly people hadn't. Is that your take, Liam? I think
0: so. And I think we we, we talked about it in a previous episode. They're so complicated. So they're, they're a complicated reform to a complicated sector. And I think the fact it's dragged on so long. So I always, I always kind of forget these reforms started kicking around um, about 18 months ago. So I think even with... I don't think the sector is necessarily predisposed to follow legislation in detail. I think even... but So even on top of that, the fact this took so long and went through so many iterations, I think there was a bit of just... We've got no idea where this is at now. Um, but we've got 12 months to wrap our heads around the new system, I guess.
2: But I think it's difficult for people to engage until it's a reality because they have so many other things that they're thinking about as well in that day-to-day running of a service or you know, yeah. even in a, um, an operational role above that um, day-to-day running. And I think it's it, there's been so many false starts on this that, and it's been so long as well. Yeah. Yeah. People are probably going, oh, well, I'll worry about that when it actually happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, let's move on to the news list uh, this week. And actually, before we start talking about specific articles, Lisa, did you, I thought it might be great as a, as a journal yourself, Lisa, to talk about there are some specific uh, media outlets we won't be linking to this week. Did you want to give us a really quick rundown on why that's the case?
1: yeah look really quick rundown i think most people would have heard at one time or, or one, one way or another but all fairfax staff have been on um a strike for the last week because their company is um intending to get rid of large swaths of their workforce especially journalists and so to give us a taste of what that might feel like they went on strike and it was pretty tragic really Um, in terms of news that was coming around, there just wasn't that same depth, especially with the budget, because it was the budget week that they actually um, were striking. They've come back to work this morning at 9am. And so you can once again um, click on Fairfax articles without feeling like a scab. But in support of um, the Fairfax uh, staff member strike, we haven't linked to any Fairfax articles in our recommendations and news list this week.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things in terms of connection with early childhood is um, the, if we think about, you know, from my point if I followed early childhood, you know, in the media for quite a while. There's been a great sort of surge of, I think, really positive media attention on early childhood. I think the way journos talk mm-hmm. about, the value and importance of early childhood has really improved over the last few years so it's probably more important than ever that there are you know vibrant media uh positive media flourishing in australia because really about, you know, whether there are specific issues with the you know fairfax journals or whatever i think it'd be a very poor media landscape and probably particularly poor for early childhood which we which we argue requires a lot of Government taxpayer funded investment. If we were left with the Murdoch tabloids, that would be a much harder political landscape for us well, to navigate. Well, I think funding. we
2: would we would see many more of those articles about not being able to have birthday cakes in childcare yeah. centres and not allowed to have Christmas. I think that would be the content of of the the articles that we'd be seeing, and and pretty kind of, you know, that that sort of stuff that low rent
1: articles. Yeah,
2: the the stuff that that. Makes people that draws on their kind of emotions about about children in childcare. So it, you're you're right, Liam. It would be a it would not be good.
0: It would not be good. That's our sixteenth summary.
3: Ooh.
0: Um But let's uh, crack on with the news list, and uh, we will touch briefly just on obviously the budget was handed down on Tuesday night. Uh, I think you know that we, we probably don't have too much to get into here. The the, the obviously the big. The big things to think about for early childhood were the jobs for families, uh, legislative changes, which were already announced, and um, there's not a huge amount in the budget announcements that contradict anything we didn't already that we didn't already know or or sort of surprised us. But um, yeah, is there anything you two wanted to add in general about that, that in terms of what what educators should know or what they should be focusing on in that in the, in the budget this year? Um,
2: Leanne, yeah, <laughs> oh. I- it would have been helpful old if old. I'd gone to someone particular. Uh, I even... Yeah, that's yeah, that's all right. We can we can fight it out here. This is uh, Eurovision after all. <laughs> um, I, I would have loved to have seen some sort of surprise uh, item there, which was professional development for for the sector. That would have been wonderful. You know, just like a <laughs> <"Hey>, dream hey. are <laughs> I know, but you know, we knew everything else really that was in there, and so I would have um, loved to have seen that. And then the one that that also. Um, was there that kind of concerned me that wasn't directly um, you know jobs for families or national partnerships related was the the uh, program which is for getting parents back to work i can't remember what it's called lisa can you remember what that one's called parents or something oh it's parents now Parent, oh i don't know anyway it's it's um aiming to uh bring parents back into employment and specifically obviously focused on mothers there was a whole framing around that that I wasn't comfortable with in terms of the way that they were doing that but that childcare is linked to that and I was thinking okay so where is that childcare going to come from um, for uh, young children and you know where where will that be located and what sort of quality services will will uh, those children be in because By all um, accounts, it it appears to be the most disadvantaged families and there's not the availability of really great quality early childhood services with spots readily available for those children.
0: And they probably won't meet the activity test now anyway.
2: (laughs) Well, I think it's a special activity test, this one. Ah.
1: I think it's Mm. a special one. Mm. (laughs) It's interesting that you raise that, Liam, because I think the most, you know, once I distilled it in my head today, once the most, you know, amazing thing about the budget, which, you know, a lot of commentators are calling it a Labor-like budget from the coalition, is that they were prepared to get rid of a lot of those horrible moves that first came in the 2014 budget. They were prepared to deliver a much more fair budget. And if they were prepared to, to get rid of bad policy, if they were prepared to deliver more fairness, if there was a sector that was actually really pushing hmm. on the cutting of um, vulnerable children's access to early education and care through the activity test, maybe we could have won.
0: Well, I think, yeah, but it, look, it's a good point, Lisa. I think it's really, it's fascinating that that, that that access for, it seems like such a no-brainer that funding for children should be viewed through a sort of fairness and equity prism. But the fact it's not, yeah, is is indicative, I think, of, of sector advocacy and advocacy and how far we've got to go. But yeah, no, I agree.
2: But I I think in in other moves within the budget, there is there's quite a lot of targeting. Um, although the idea is that it's a labour light budget, I think there's a lot of targeting of very very disadvantaged people. If NDIS excluded, but some very very disadvantaged people, and I think that those that that fall that fail the activity tests are in that as well. So uh, to me, it's marginalising the most marginalised. I think that's what that budget has given us.
1: Yep. yep.
0: Shock, horror. Um, mm. Okay, so there's obviously um, there's, there's summaries available of, of the, the the budget out there. We, we'll, we'll link to a few in the show notes, but uh, the the main early child things to think about are the jobs for family stuff, which is already announced, and there's a lot of that stuff out there. Already, if you're not sick to death of of reading it and and can read it without a curtain of tears, I've got to say, actually, I, I finally I'd been putting this off for weeks, trying to avoid. I think if I thought if I didn't have a physical copy in my hand, it may not be true, but I did have to send the 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 JFF legislation to the printer to actually have a physical copy on my desk, so. Ooh! I know. I have to. Ooh. I know. I can't. I can't read them on PDF on screen. So I'm a technology addict. But I just can't do what? long things on screen. I know. I'm crazy. I How have to have it printed. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very old. Um, Liam,
1: I'm not just read them on screen. I read them on my iPhone.
0: Oh my god, Lisa, that's not good for you. That's not yeah, a but good.
2: Lisa's got. Lisa's got the biggest iPhone in the universe. It's, it's actually the size of a, an A4. Piece of
3: paper.
1: Oh, I do not.
3: <laughs>
1: I've got a standard iPhone 7, not even a 7 Plus. <laughs> so yeah, I think... It's like a, a mini iPad. <laughs> it is not.
0: <laughs> All right. So I think, Lisa, I think you're going to bring us the next one, which is about um, some in, an, an interesting daily fee it's being charged in a centre in South Australia. Do you want to take us through that one?
1: Yeah, look, I'll just let's get through this quickly. There's a, a service in um, South Australia that's charging a dollar a day to attract new clients. You get to the end of the article and you discover that the service is working towards. And I just reckon, yeah, yeah, it's easy to drop your fee to a dollar a day rather than spend the money and then invest the time and effort into improving equality, and then you won't have to go that hard to attract clients. But That's what's happening in South Australia. That's getting volume over over
2: quality, isn't it? That's for
1: sure. Yeah, well, it's also kind of like yeah. I'm not exactly sure how it runs. You know, according to family assistance legislation, to Mm. offer fees of that level too. I think the department may be well looking at what's happening. At that service,
0: I think that will be my all... friend Carl calls a sharp practice, which he was teaching me about the other <laughs> yeah. day. Which is practice that is not technically unlawful, but is uh, is not it doesn't fit within the existing legislation. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I'd never heard of it before, and now I think that's so... what my my children regularly engage in sharp practice. It's not technically illegal, <laughs> but it's definitely not 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 acceptable. <laughs>
2: So that's actually a term that, that is used, yes, sharp practice.
0: sharp practice. Oh, I
2: have to
1: investigate
0: that one. keep
1: hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so I... Googling
3: simultaneously. <laughs>
0: but I love it. That's right. But I love, I mean, you, we don't want to dwell too much on it. this one. you know, got a fair bit of media. But um, I don't know how there's, there's family assistance office implications. There's implications in terms of, I mean, this must be a stunt. So I'm assuming they're only doing it for a short period of time because, it's it's purely just to get people in the door, but um, it would have it would have it, the flow on impacts is because of how complicated the system is. This will affect things like their ability to offer special childcare benefit. This will affect their ability to um to to even just in terms of how families then claim the CCB and CCR on such a low amount. I think it, it, this is the kind of thing that may actually cause more problems for families than they think until they come in.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if you're desperate, yeah, I mean a dollar a day,
1: you do that. It would look amazing, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, but the the other and thing and
3: there's
1: no the other thing about it is that there's no you can do it. I think for eight weeks, and there's oh there's no reason why you have to. Yeah,
0: the the only other thing uh, for me with this is it's sort of similar how we were talking about um, journalism. Is I'm actually kind of impressed they they mentioned the center's quality rating, yeah, but. I, it seems kind of that Journo's are actually looking for that info now, which I think is actually quite good in the long term. So I'm glad they they sure. that's legitimate context for that article for sure.
2: And yep. is a sequel um, actually sort of putting that probably being more public with journo's and and making those connections as well. I think that that there is
0: that Yeah. there is that
2: too, which is excellent,
0: which is good. You'd hope, but I think but, it may just be also that when they're. The are doing a bit of background research now and there, even if it's just as simple as googling the centre, the my child result tends to come up pretty quickly now. So hopefully, it just means journalists getting a bit quicker, a bit better at realising what's sort of out there in terms of info about centres.
2: Yeah, because it is like gold, isn't it? When you when you strike all of that, um, all of that information as well that you can quickly check on a, a service.
0: It is. It's very exciting. And then the last one is going to be from uh, from where I am in Canberra, which is a really uh, interesting sort of developing story as we record this on Wednesday night, which is a, a centre in uh, Canberra uh, where, due to the, the dodginess of the building, it's possible that some children may have been exposed to... Uh, traces of lead which is obviously fairly terrifying for families but um, I guess I wanted to highlight it for a couple of reasons. Uh, I know the centre and I know the director really well. They're a fantastic, uh, very long, long established early childhood centre. They're one of the oldest centres in Canberra which is relevant to why this sort of stuff is happening but there's a huge problem in the ACT with these really old buildings which are managed by the ACT government and unfortunately managed usually fairly poorly by the ACT government and it it's indicative to me of an approach to early childhood centers that there's just not a lot of care taken to them so that you know this kind of story would just it would it's unthinkable in a school in a primary school or a a secondary school being i've been to i've been to this service i've I've, i can vividly picture in my head you know the the educators the director the the interactions are fantastic where they are working in this you know shoddy old building which um no one's really cared about so it's a, it's a hideous story, but I hope it's a little bit of a wake-up call to that children. Heaven forbid, children before the age of five are actually deserving of nice spaces as well before they <laughs> oh, walk into no. a school environment. Heaven forbid.
2: <laughs> well, I think I think, think they're deserving of, yeah. yeah, I think people think they're deserving of nice spaces, but I think you're absolutely spot on, Liam. Is that spaces are neglected, and they don't have there's not funds there for maintenance of spaces, and you know we we. With the way that funding goes, you're not really able to accrue any money to maintain your spaces unless that comes from the families. So okay. there's there's probably a lot of services. I'd say the whole inner west of Sydney is, oh, I'd better be careful, but I'm sure <laughs> they've checked their, their lead. But wouldn't you agree, Lisa, there'd be places all over Sydney that would be um,
1: probably, you know, latently at risk in this way? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I do note that when you're doing a service approval, you've got to testify that your soil's okay. Did you know that, guys? No, Something that i realised. you've got to put in a statement saying that your soil's okay. So would you have to have it tested? I guess. Um, can tell us n- that. No, you can either get it tested or you can just say you we can know just because we know the history of it. But yeah. Mm.
0: I know nothing about yep. soil. I don't know if the soil is good or not.
1: <laughs> oh well. Try growing. I could try, try growing
0: a radish in there. That's probably my only test.
2: Yeah, but is it good soil?
0: Is it good soil? All right, we will be <laughs> we'll be back with the news list next week. Uh, but we will take a quick break and then be back with our main topic for the night. <laughs> Alright, we're back and we're going to be talking this week about the one thing we left off the news list, which is the announcement from Minister Education Minister Simon Birmingham that the National Partnership Agreement for Early Childhood Education was being extended, hooray, for one year. Boo. Uh, this will be the fifth ex- fifth short term extension of this funding uh, since two thousand. I uh, said sorry, two thousand and thirteen. Uh, so it seemed we've had this on our sort of topic list for quite a while. So we thought this was probably a good time to tackle it uh, tonight. So I'm wondering, and we. Uh, we should have organised it beforehand, but I was wondering, Leanne or Lisa, whether you you either of you were comfortable with giving us a bit of a, you know, a bit of a summary history and background, and I guess the context of the the NPA, which we'll refer to it as for the rest of tonight. Who's up for that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I, I was I was striking back okay. in my memory about the arrangements, so I I went back to the departmental website, which is part part
0: fake news and part, <laughs> and part Hashtag fake news.
2: <laughs> so I well Lisa you sound like you're at Juliet. the
3: <laughs>
1: What's you did that too, did you? Right. Okay, so, it shows so how look, much has happened. There was Read. Yeah, along. <laughs> there was Kevin Rudd read um James Heckman on his summer holidays. Came back and said to his party Early education, it's the way, truth and the light And they went, yeah, okay, what's that stuff? And they came up with um, a a whole plan which included, you know, the plan around national quality framework but also uh, a plan on giving the state some money to actually get um, uh, more children into early education in the year before school. When Kevin 07 got in, it was very soon after that, um, I think it was only about six months actually, that they first signed the first national partnership agreement on early childhood education with all the states and territories. And basically it said, we'll give you a whack of money if you increase the amount of children that are in um, preschool or early education in the year before school for at least 15 hours. And it was initially to be delivered by a four-year trained, um, univer- four-year university-educated teacher, and everyone said, "Okay, yep, we'll do it." Various states um, did better than the others at implementing it. Various states did better that started off from a better point than other states. Various states um, like actually used the federal government money very well. Um, some not so well Um, then from then on it's just been extended year by year by year so there was one extension in 2013 that was for two years then another extension 2015 then another in um, the 2016 2017 financial year and now we've just had a one more year extension on it And when he announced the extension, let me just find the minister's words, I've got them somewhere because it was kind of really important. He said um, that it is critical that children in the earliest years have access to a quality preschool education in the year before they begin school. And so because of it, he was going to extend it. And he then said, why only one year, or he didn't actually say why only one year, but he said the one-year extension will allow for proper discussions with the states and territories on how we fairly guarantee, Mm -hmm. in an ongoing sense, 15 hours of preschool. Beyond that, given the very different models of preschool delivery that apply from one state to another. So basically he's saying since they were elected in... When was the coalition first 2013, elected? Two thousand and thirteen. fifty-seven
0: yeah. years ago. Yes.
1: Yeah, so in the oh, fifty-seven years long. they've been in, in and and two prime ministers. Um. That since they've been in power, um. That they didn't actually have time to talk to the states about how to, <laughs>
3: um,
1: uh, guarantee in an ongoing sense, uh, um, the um. Early education funding. Basically, what it comes down to is that they really don't want to fund it. They want the states to.
2: Well, they're they probably sitting in there every year going, oh, God, here it is again. But the even though, I mean, it did have that nice extensive period of funding from 2008 to 2013, it still wasn't the... Accountability for that funding either was there because it, it it didn't actually achieve over those years everything that it set out to achieve.
0: Well, it's interesting mm, and, and you know. first, well, no, but, is
3: that important?
0: <laughs> well, firstly, big round of applause for Lisa for but not that with no uh, no knowledge that she was going to have to give that big context for doing it. Thank you very much, Lisa. Um, it's interesting. I, I remember I, I was um, at a workshop the other day. And was talking about just how complicated and ridiculous the other childhood education system is in Australia. And I use the the NPA as an example, or so even something that should be, that is a, it is a big win. So you know, putting aside you know partisan uh, activist advocacy nonsense, the NPA is a good thing in general. So the with the oh you know, yes. yeah. yes the funding for but hmm. so even that in Australia, even something that. Even Conservative governments reluctantly, but yes, they will go, yes, okay, we'll fund preschool. Even that has to be done in the most complicated, insane way with a top up mixture of state, you know, federal and state funding. And then it's challenged, and every year it's left to the last minute to, to negotiate and work out, and it's only extended for 12 months. It's just, it is, it is to me, it's such a crystallization of everything that is wrong about early childhood well, education that's policy true. in Australia.
2: But in, in defence of all of that, because I think it's very important that we provide some objectivity here tonight, Lee, <gasps> Given that
0: That's a dirty word. Why well, stop? I don't now. want to hear that again.
2: <laughs> I'm getting ready to judge Eurovision, if you don't mind. I want to be objective. <laughs> okay. I think the, the complication is the arrangements in every state are so different. They're so unbelievably different, that you would feel that you were actually in another country if you walked into a, another state, and um, that I don't think that, that governments have really understood exactly what they have on their hands. And so Birmingham saying that about, you know, the full discussion, I, it, I, I don't believe that, that he could ever consider that the Jobs for Families package could, or whatever whatever will take, could take its place. But I think in, in his head, he's thinking, gosh, it must be simple to do that. <laughs> and the complexity is is there. There's just so much complexity in it. And so, it, I mean, it's not really, I'm not really being objective. All I'm saying is that no. it is a big kind of, yeah. you know, bird's nest of a mess there that is very difficult for um, government itself to understand.
0: Yeah. The only thing I might just yep. quickly leap in before we get into some more of the um, the sort of the, the political policy implications is that there is there is some fairly strong evidence that the the partnership, despite the fact it's it's rolled out in a complicated way, has had a very positive impact. So even so, the starkest example is in Queensland. So in two thousand and eight, there was an enrolment rate in the year before school of twenty nine percent. So only thirty percent of children of uh, Children the year before school in Queensland were attending a preschool program. And that's in 2015, That's that was up to 100%. Now, the, the, the data is always a little tricky to, to address, but that's a fairly staggering increase. And every state and territory has seen a fairly dramatic increase. Lisa, are you Lisa, laughing? No, Lisa, are you're you sneezing. laughing? <laughs> no,
3: you're sneezing, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm, are I'm you're barfing, laughing if it is. No, <laughs> <you're>
1: <laughs> It's really yeah. funny. We watched through the first few agreements in New South Wales how we went from something like, I can't quite remember what the first percentage was in New South Wales, but it was something like 60%. And then It says 82% year, in 2008. And 90% and then 95%. But nothing actually changed on the ground. It was just that those figures needed to keep going up in order for the Commonwealth to keep funding them.
0: Look, New South Wales is always a bit insane, and we've called that out regularly in podcast, But the the Queensland stats, whether they're the the, the twenty nine to one hundred percent, I think you could probably question. But there is no doubt whatsoever that it had a huge impact on dramatically increasing the number of children that were enrolled in in some form of preschool, and that's that's accepted in Queensland. I've, I've you know I've been to forums and stuff where that that, that single handedly pointed to as the reason that's
3: now happening.
2: But I think it, it comes back to that um, accountability. That, uh, I mentioned before and how people, how states gather data as well, which is exactly what you're saying, Lisa, but it's, it's significant that in states where they have used that and been and used that um, with a, a certain level of responsibility, their fee is, you know, yeah. close to zero um, and they've used that national partnerships money to do that and have had a pretty good percentage of enrolment of four-year-olds.
1: So sure, it and in a it lot different. of those states, they have they're really clear that state government funding provides this many hours, normally twelve hours, yeah. and the federal government funding provides three hours of of early education so you know, oh, in you know some the states state. put money in themselves lisa is that what you're saying <laughs> you know, leanne i'm sorry to tell you this i know it'll break your heart but yes some states do oh my god i know i'm overwhelmed the act does
0: 12 hours i'll have you know we just get a three-hour top-up from the federal from the federal government <laughs> we're not asking exactly. that much from the feds
3: yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. um so we talked a little bit about in that history and context, Lisa, about you know what I call this sort of endless, you know, merry-go-round of short-term funding announcements, and it is hilarious looking at the National Partnership Agreement page. There's this block of yeah, 2008 to 2013, and then just endless. So we're now onto the fourth draft of another National Partnership Agreement. Look beyond. We've, I think we answered the question a little bit before about why that happens. That the the blunt answer is well, gov- the conservative government just doesn't want to fund it there's probably some layers within that, but what's what's the impact on, you know, states, territories, what's the impact on children as well and educators on this com, this continual uncertainty around what happens with, with short-term funding? And Leanne, look, and I know you've, you know, in New South Wales, you used to regularly have these, shall we call them, frank discussions with the New South Wales government about, you know, sort of advocacy in this space. What's the impact on, you know, on the sector, on this sort of uncertainty?
2: Well, it's that, all that continuity, isn't it? The difficulty in the continuity. I don't think any sector should be left hanging and waiting for the next announcement to, under, to, to know whether they'll be able to actually, um, uh, you know, run a service, which is what effectively happens. And, and that makes it difficult from a perspective of employment for, um, for organisations to consider how their employment contracts work up ahead for just the one year. Which they've been granted, and also to consider how the planning happens for children, and and that's that's one of the biggest challenges is how people plan um, in terms of their enrolments, because these announcements come almost too late all the time for people to make those adequate yeah. plans about how they will uh, do their their work the following year. And part of the the problem too is still this perspective on education uh, you know that education um, child care divide and the reason why originally it kind of happens this way is that constitutional sort of division between education and care and workforce so the the federal government's very happy to just keep passing off passing the buck and saying well the states should be looking after education they reluctantly keep funding the national partnerships agreement hoping that that the states will magically take up this role of fully funding early childhood education. And I think we would all agree that that's probably not a very good idea anyway, regardless, <laughs> because it should be a national interest. But I think the, the impact is this, um, this sort of environment of uncertainty, which is enduring, and the, and the lack of respect that comes with that as well. There's a real lack of respect for the profession, for the service, and ultimately for children.
1: Oh, do they matter? Do they deserve respect? <laughs> Gee, radical concepts here. Look, I think there's two other things that oh, <laughs> say, two <laughs> other
3: things <laughs> <didn't> <laughs> There's
1: two other things that you may want to take into account. One is the amount of time and effort that um services and educators are having to do in advocacy. Victoria ran a very strong campaign around fifteen hours. This year and at the end of last year, and like that takes energy to advocate just for an ongoing, um, you know, an ongoing agree uh, amount of money. The other thing is the um, the the fact that it. Completely lost it now.
2: What was my didn't second part? Something. That's, That's why you, yeah. you had one thing, did, did, did and you, you
1: knew that you were trying th- to pick up the second. No, thing. No, I didn't. It <laughs> was something about that was really like there was Victoria and the advocacy, and then there was. Oh yes, it also means that the state governments, often, and I'm using New South Wales as an example again, keep coming up with new. Uh, new funding models to try and satisfy the Commonwealth Government's demands. And so in New South Wales, we've seen like five or six funding models since the first universal access agreement. And that just means that it's quite chaotic as educators have to learn about new funding models all in an attempt to manage an education care system in such a way that you qualify for the federal government funding.
2: Yeah, actually, that's that. That is yeah. a very
1: good second point. I'd have to I say <laughs> I'm, I'm,
2: it was I'm worth happy, waiting for. I'm really happy that you thought about that. But w- one thing I was thinking um, was that one thing that is happening. See, one is that uh, the most disadvantaged children are kind of really. I'm thinking about New South Wales finally being kind of pushed into a goods a reasonable space with this. So, I think there's finally that understanding and. You, New South Wales, by by the New South Wales government, that this is actually designed to raise um, the impact of early childhood education. And so if you ensure that the most disadvantaged children get that, then that's where the biggest impact is experienced. Yeah. And I think that finally that message is, is getting through. It's taken a really long time in New South Wales, not so long in ACT, Liam.
0: We're always a bit ahead of you guys, but that's all right. It's the cold weather; it snaps our brains into gears. But sure. the the only the the only other one thing I will add as well is I'm just I'm always shocked by the how how politically poorly the the conservative government the the liberal government does on this stuff because it has it's been it's been an, a, a nightmare since they came into power in 2013. And I think they always – so they, they don't like the way it's structured. They don't like the way it's funded. They they always want to take the states on how, on how it's funded. But they always leave it to the last minute. I think – you can both correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't it get as bad as at one point? Didn't Susan Lay leave it to October or something before she announced the funding yeah. for January? Yeah, yeah so, I think it was,
2: wasn't it? Because I know there was a lot of fuss we had in New South Wales, didn't we, Lisa, where it was people yeah. were doing their enrolments and not knowing whether they'd even be funded really in the late. following
3: year.
0: It mm. was really late. And so, this is the thing. They, they, they're, they're never just going to cut it. It's it's not going to happen. Regardless of. The, I will say, you know, the one success for advocacy in, in Australia is that the government cannot just turn around and end this partnership agreement and say we're just not funding preschool next year, sort it out states. It, it can't and won't happen because the backlash would be huge. But every time they do this, they dance around, they, they don't say whether they're going to extend it. And I think they always think, look, we'll do a quick extension, then we'll, we'll, we'll bash the states over the head and get a better funding model. They either forget to do it. Or they just they get nowhere, which that which they're not, because why would the states pony up all this? It's it's a national partnership agreement. It is just it it it's emblematic of just how sort of politically tone deaf they are sometimes that they do this. They, they they threaten this every single year, and it goes nowhere. I you wonder why that is. Don't cave in and just go look. Well, you know, we'll you know do a five year extension and review at the end of the time, but they. The, the fact they think that the, the, this is not going to get anywhere, threatening children's access to preschool is never going to be a good look for them. And I just, I'm always, I just shake my head that every year this happens. You know, Birmingham's done slightly better this time. At least he's announced it slightly earlier. But again, it's another 12-month extension. I think he's fallen into this trap of, well, thinking I'll meet with the states over this time and sort out a better agreement. It's not going to happen.
2: Mm. So, so what will happen What's the
0: prediction? What will happen? Where Do you mean where to for the National Partnership Agreement Ooh, as per the so bullet point? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> that's a good... I might chuck that... Chuck that. Up. I mean, I've probably given my view there. I think the NPA, I think, as it is, because of the, the bickering between states... So when the National Part, So the, probably the only thing we didn't say in the history and background was the NPA kind of got up because it was wall-to-wall Labor government. So there was a Labor federal government and there were Labor governments in, I think... Wasn't there a period of time where every state and territory was Labor? Yep. So That
1: was when the NQF yeah. went through and the First National mm. Partnership.
0: Exactly. So that's kind of where... So okay. that's no longer the case. So my, my view is, look, in those sort of situations, inertia tends to triumph because states aren't... the Federal and state governments are all facing their own, you know, budgetary, you know, emergencies or whatever you want to call it. They, 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 no one's going to budge on this kind of stuff. So I think... Sadly, look. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I think we're just going to. As long as there's a conservative government in the federal government, we're, it's going to be this year-on-year thing. I think, you know, I've got my own issues with the Labor government and their approach to early childhood education. I think they're likely to commit to longer-term funding of this, but I'd until there's a, a big change, until there's fundamental change to the sector, until early childhood education there's a fundamental shift in that, and I think we're you know, generate. Where we you know we're decades away from that, if, if it happens at all, which surely it will have to. I think we're just going to be. It's going to be a cycle of conservative governments year on year funding, labour governments. You know, probably three to five year agreements.
1: Mm, I disagree with you. I think <gasps> it'll be gone by next year.
0: Oh, I give it a
1: year. Do <gasps> Lisa? Yep. I thought I
0: was being bitter and cynical and sad.
1: No, look, it Just if you put together just a few different speeches that Birmingham's made and a few things he's said about this, they really think that the Jobs for Families package kind of covers off on their obligations um, in this space. They see that childcare has a little bit of a learning component in it and really they're only interested in doing it for, for hard-working families, you know? Um, so... I think that they'll just do a bargain with the states about, you know, um, we'll give you more school education if you let us out of this national partnership and don't complain about it or, you know, there'll be some kind of horse trading and it'll just be gone or they'll get the states to agree to continue 15 hours without the funding, you know, there'll be some... It'll just go...
0: Yeah. I, I look oh, yeah. I yeah I, I just doubt it like so I just think there's no it's so entrenched now like the it's one of those things that like these things build up their own momentum it's so entrenched now there's there's just no way not the there's no way they'll get all the states on board even though they're doing horse trading there's no, there will be a few holdouts the like Victoria there's no way Victoria's going to sign up to getting rid of it the the, the entire international community is moving towards 3-year-old and four, preschool let alone 4-year-old I just think it, there, there's there's no way I, I agree that there's risk they'll chop and change and, 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 and try and make it worse. Okay, but...
1: $2 bet on it.
0: Ooh, well, but if we're going to make it properly interesting. Maybe you... um. But if mm-hmm. there's no
2: NPA, we may not have a podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be well and truly in the trough of dis- absolute despair if that <laughs> happens. I just think there's no way, because it, 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 it'll rebound on... that. You, you can't make that announcement, no matter how they spin it, that... Suddenly, children can't access preschool in the way they are now. There's just the even I am as bitter and cynical as they come now with education in Australia. I, there's no way they can they can get that passed. That's a yeah. I'm going to see I, Lisa, but we'll, we'll.
1: I just have this really strong image of the treasury Treasury boffins going, "Oh, what's this thing again? Get rid of it!" Yeah, you know, every year, and I think it's Treasury that are pushing to get rid of it because it's such a small and annoying program. And, like, yeah. isn't education the state's responsibility anyway?
0: I agree, but the fact they haven't been able to do it yet, so I think they, they've tried every year, and the fact they haven't been able to means that. And this, I mean, we look back, you know, so we've got, you know, sort of a moderate PM now, I guess, and a relatively moderate education minister. Abbott, uh, you know, Tony Abbott, you know, conservative nutjob PM, and Susan lay a relatively conservative. They, they, they couldn't do it. So I I, I don't – if they couldn't couldn't cancel it, which they clearly wanted to, I don't think anyone else is going to be able to.
2: Well, let's see if we're here in a year and what the decision is.
0: Was it $2, Lisa? I want to make it more interesting. Can't we make it –
1: Okay,
0: $20. $20, I'm in. Done. Yep. You heard it here first, everyone. Now we do want to spend a little time, just trying desperately to keep to our Eurovision theme by doing a you know a small bit of comparison to um to Europe and how they approach early childhood education. Spoiler alert: they do it a lot better than us. Shock horror. <laughs> um. So I mean, not sure how we want to tackle this, everyone, but I, but you know what is in general do we want to talk a bit about sort of the different sort of ways European states and countries approach this has anyone got any examples of of uh, of best practice
2: well i think for a start they do tend to listen to the research
0: as a foundational
2: uh guiding principle weirdos (laughs) for how to how to actually deliver early childhood education and many many countries are much better at it than australia and have been at it for much longer as well, considering that it is a um, that early childhood occurs not just in you know one particular type of setting. It occurs across a range of settings. But I think also we've got different. I mean, it's that policy context, isn't it? Different approaches to democracy and to equality, and so that's been fundamental to to some of the change in those countries. So in in some countries, it's been the the democracy and the equality has been fundamental and in other countries the making the difference to very disadvantaged children has been fundamental to this provision. So it kind of comes at both ends. Australia probably hasn't seen it either way really.
0: Are you saying we need a bit of liberty, equality, fraternity in Australia? (laughs) Yes, that's it. That would be wonderful. i
1: tell you what we do need. We need... um, uh, a guaranteed right to access it because um, I've always had um, this wonderful report that was done by The Economist um, about, you know, the world's preschool education and, like, the OECD does quite a lot of um, work in this space as well. But The Economist just kind of looked at ranking the world in terms of how they did on preschool education, right? as you do because it's it's an important thing to do and they looked at different categories as to you know um what the, they had to come up with a ranking system so they looked at the social context of preschool the availability the affordability and the quality right but what they found is that um the countries that did the work, did the best Were the ones that had um, a where children had a right under law to access preschool education. So the ones that had an absolute right, a legal right to um, to access preschool education, were also the countries that were the best at supplying it. So just I'll tell you the rankings overall, and then you can see what Europe's vision really is for preschool. Finland was the highest. Hey, no surprise there. Sweden, Norway, UK, Belgium, Denmark. Remember, this is a worldwide thing. <laughs> France, Netherlands. Yay to New Zealand, who then Yay. pops up. South Korea, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Czech Republic, Ireland. And then it goes on from there. Um, I think I've just read you out the first... Oh, how many countries have I gotten to there? 18 countries.
3: It's a bit Australia of a theme there,
1: Lisa. Ap- Yeah, and Australia doesn't appear on the list till number 28. So basically, you know, like we're just nowhere near that um, compared to countries that had, you know... The elements... Are, uh, the, that they said apart from rights that were the legal right to a preschool education that was important, was a comprehensive and effective early childhood development strategy, uh, effective subsidies that reach underprivileged families, student-teacher ratios under 15, well, we did well there. We World did Well-trained well teachers in early childhood education, we do okay there. Parental involvement in preschools at least 98 percent of preschoolers enrolled in that year before school well-defined curriculum and health and safety standards we do really really well um at that one and healthy well-nourished children coming into the system so it's interesting to see the cat you know what they actually chose as the categories but it's really interesting to see, mm-hmm. you know, which countries are doing it. So I think we can safely say that Europe has a vision.
0: They know what they're doing.
2: It's
1: connected to rights. Yeah. yeah. Which is
2: fantastic. the The other, I mean, we we do need to make mention of ratios because we do very well in that area. Yeah. Do we not? For sure. Yeah. I mean, we really, we really do.
0: There well. are some so things that, we that, do well.
2: Yeah, because we want to be objective. Is that what I've said tonight before? I think I have.
0: Uh, You've got to stop saying that, Leanne. It's freaking me
2: out. The the other interesting part of this, and this might be, you know, in some ways this connects to how well um, it is provided, is when you get to a a list in one of the OECD documents around who is actually responsible, what what, um, ministry is responsible for early childhood education, Australia needs a whole separate country note
3: because <laughs> yeah. there are so
2: many different <laughs> oh. departments that are responsible. And you know what? I think that does have a huge impact.
3: Oh, it does, yeah, of course yeah. It does. It, yeah.
2: yeah, Doesn't allow for this broader strategic view, which is what we, you know, are experiencing this problem with the, the feds at the moment. To actually say. Early childhood education is being provided, and it is actually reaching the people, um, all all children and those who need it most in particular. So, it's yeah, they, it it doesn't it doesn't even have a listing next to its name. It just has a C note and then a full paragraph. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. Well, we need to wrap this up pretty soon, but I think given, obviously, where... Can I
1: just give a few more nerdy things and a a call-out? Because I think we really need to talk about how amazing the work of the Mitchell Institute is in this area and giving us all the data, um, especially Stacey Hines and... Oh, oh, God, I've got that one Stacey Fox and
0: Bronwyn
3: Hines.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Sorry, Stacey. Sorry, Bronwyn. That's like um, their research,
2: like a Lisa. You've
1: got a Their research really has given us a lot of information. But I'll just read you some of the stuff from um, a summary of Stacey's report on um, why uh, two years are better than one. And it's just about what's happening internationally right now with preschool. So the UK expanded funded earlier education to three-year-olds in 2004. So threes and fours get it there and there is near universal attendance for three-year-olds in um, part-time preschool. In Ireland, universal free preschool for three-year-olds came into effect from September of last year. Norway has had near universal attendance in preschool from age three and for around 30 hours a week. France has had it since 1980. All three-year-olds have had a legislated right to an early education. So if all of these European countries can, can do it, why can't we?
0: That's a very That's good what point.
1: the attitude that we're going into Eurovision with, isn't <laughs> it? Absolutely. Who was, who was top
0: of your list, Lisa, or of European countries that were doing well in early education, the one you had before?
1: Oh, Finland.
0: Finland. So is our recommendation as, in terms of who... If you're in early childhood education in Australia, if there's a country you're throwing your support behind this weekend... We're we're we hoping Finland gets the wind, are not we? Because they do did the best job for Finland, children.
2: But but a very wise woman once said to me that uh, governments make changes by stealth, and there are changes <laughs> being made in in Finland um, that is that 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 are leading to uh, a similar landscape that we have in Australia. So, um, you know, these things are not they're not secure.
0: No. Well. If it hey, if if Finland win, maybe we'll do a we'll do a live podcast from Finland at the when they host next year's next year's Eurovision. Are we up for that?
1: Yeah. Now that. Yeah. That. yeah <laughs> for sure. We All might right. have to get a few more Patreon, yeah.
0: <laughs> we might need okay, a let's... few more.
1: Yeah, we,
2: we might need. Maybe we can be specific about what we're looking for from a patron. <laughs> I'm
0: guessing, funding for a fact-finding mission. Well, we will. We'll, we'll wrap up our discussion there. So we'll be back in just a second with uh, recommendations and our. Wrap-up. Right, so we're going to quickly roll through our recommendations for this week. Uh, Leanne, what are, you, what are you bringing us this week?
2: Well, I've, I've gone with the finished theme on my recommendation, and it's a, um, I just wanted to draw people's attention to uh, the fact that there are so many open-access journals now that you can read and find out amazing information. The, the, one, the thing with this one is it's the Journal of Early Childhood Education Research, and when you open it up, it will be in Finnish because I just wanted everybody to have that Finnish experience. But go to the left <laughs> and click on click on um, the JASA in English. And there's all sorts of um, interesting articles within this open access journal which are related to early childhood education. There's a special edition which uh, relates specifically to early childhood leadership, which people may be
1: interested in.
0: Those great classics. They always lose something in the translation, don't they, Leanne? (laughs) (laughs) What are you bringing us this week, Lisa?
1: Look, I'm also bringing us something, you know, in other languages. um, And it's uh, some documents that exist, and lots of people know they exist, but lots of people also don't know they exist. So that's why I'm raising them again. One is the translation of the Early Years Learning Framework, which was translated into a number of languages. And I just really want to remind people that if you do have educators, you know, whose English isn't their first language, you can go and look at the Early Years Learning Framework in languages as diverse as Burmese or Farsi or Dinka or Kama, you know, Go and find it for them, print it out for them and give it to them in their own language. And the other thing is stuff on the National Quality Framework on their SQL website, again translated into a bunch of languages that are important in Australia. So, yeah, do that for your parents.
0: Wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, they're great resources and I think you're right. I don't think enough people know about them. Um, and my one, you, you kind of stole my thunder, Lisa, because I'm going to link to a Mitchell Institute report. Uh, report. That's all right. I forgive you, Lisa. So it's um, uh, it actually talks about it's a fantastic report that looks at the it's sort of a bit of a look at how important two years of preschool uh, funded preschool would be. So as well as sort of highlighting the the benefits of preschool in general, it actually says Australia needs to look at extending that to two years before attending school, which I think we all agree. Would be a fantastic idea, and yeah, can only add my, you know, as I've been, I think I, I, it's one of those things I didn't realise I knew I needed until the Mitchell Institute came around. I think we were scrambling for international reports and all this kind of stuff. They, the Mitchell Institute, sort of regularly put out fantastic. Uh, research on uh, very specifically Australian and, and really looking at the complicated system we have. So, absolutely take off my hat, particularly to Stacey and Bronwyn, but I know there's other people doing fantastic work there. So, we've really got to drag them onto the show at some point. So, I know. I think we know Bronwyn. Yeah, listens, I think so we should too. That's right. So we, we, we'll get on to them. But uh, that's excellent. That's that's the show for this week. We, can I we...
1: just can
2: I just do a very very quick stop press? Oh, go for it. Well,
0: is this hashtag Australia's, breaking news?
2: Australia's entrant in Eurovision, <laughs> who has the most incredible name, I say of Firebrace, and comes from Moama, where we know there is very good early childhood education, and he is an Indigenous Australian as well, has made it through to the finals. No! I just want to that. <laughs> yes. Now, that will be old news by the listen to this. But I tell you what, I actually think that this is the theme song for early childhood education in Australia because his song is called Don't Come Easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point. All right. Well, we will wrap up as we do. We'd like to... Uh, thank uh, everyone for listening as well we really appreciate our uh, sort of regular listeners who who tune in each and every week uh, if you are enjoying what you're listening to and want to support the show we would love your support there's a couple of big ways to do that you can directly support the show financially at patreon.com forward slash early edges show for as little as a dollar a month we have uh, we're really a bit i think all blown away by the support we already have on there and it's uh, very um, heartening, and that means we can do some more fun stuff, which we are planning for We will for.
2: have that live show soon. Oh, we, we're going to have No, we're going to have it. Aren't we going to have it at the end of the
1: year? Oh. I think we should have it with a party.
0: I, I, we, we, the, the planning this is continues, people. The end of
1: people. the year has to be the party. <laughs> we should have had a Eurovision
2: party. <laughs> it, it'll be like the, the work end of year party.
0: That's right. Should now be a the virtual party then. An open bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we would, if you can support us on there, we'd really, we really appreciate it. If you can't, uh, you can give us a rating and review on what is now the Apple Podcast Store, not the iTunes Store. Um, so you can, if you can. Get on your device and uh, hit five stars and leave us a lovely review. That really helps other people find the show, which we're always very excited to have new listeners. The other thing is also just, you know, sending it out, sending an email. If there's a particular email, a particular episode you've enjoyed, share it with your friends and colleagues. We'd love to have as many people in the sector as possible listening to us rabbit on about Eurovision and other important early childhood topics. You can contact the show in a variety of ways. Send us an email, show at gmail.com. You can check out our website at earlyeducationshow.com. You can also find all of us individually on Twitter. I'm at Liam McNicholas.
1: I'm at Lisa J. Bryant. And I'm at Leanne M. Gibbs 3.
0: And until next week, if you're suitably patriotic, obviously go Australia this weekend. If you're, if we're going for who's doing the best job for children in Europe, it's Finland. So I'm going I'm to plant, plant, plant my flag for Finland. But until we catch up with you next week, it's goodbye from me.
1: Goodbye from me
0: and from me. That's true. I'm going to tell a brief story just so people get an idea of my complete lack of engagement with uh, <laughs> natural spaces or, oh, no. or sustainability. So, when I was a centre director at a, at a small community, not for profit organisation centre in, in the ACT, uh, I bought all these nice trays of seedlings in there, you know, that plastic, that black, you know, that you can get like there's like six squares of seedlings and they're in the black plastic stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And um, my fantastic assistant director, Michelle, um, was so I told her, "I look, I'll, I'll go out and plant them. I'll go and do them with the children." Okay. So I dug. We went out and dug the dug the big holes, did the big holes in the soil. And I just, I thought you just planted the the actual thing in the soil. <laughs> black. So the black oh, thing. I thought it's great. There's obviously this is obviously for drainage or something. I thought I was being insanely clever. So I planted all these things along. Poor Michelle, who would you know, been you he, he still had that centre, I think, and has, has seen off a range of ridiculous centre directors. Just, just, just very diplomatically and nicely said, look. Liam, we'll, we'll replant them. Maybe just don't have anything to do with the garden from now on, if that's okay. I might take carriage of that for you. Is that okay? Yeah. So, I, if I'm, I. Are
2: you not a man of the natural environment? I
0: am not a man of the natural environment. No, no it's not. Not not my gig. People, I will I will do camping if it's in five star restaurants. With <laughs> five star restaurants, five star hotels. You are the
1: man of my dreams. <laughs> I camp in five star hotel foyers.
3: Yeah.
1: I once got my hands into soil and. They got dirty, and I thought, so like I know. it was just like, oh, take like this away this. from you. Me. Two
2: are missing out on so much. I we have to do a whole show on this, I think,
3: because <laughs> oh, God.
2: there's places you can go where you can see the whole Milky Way. You can see like, and you can only go to those places if you camp.
3: But yeah. why would
0: you want to? Well, can you? Well, <laughs> can't you go, Leanne, and take a photo and just send it to me on? Yeah. On send, send oh, send it to me. Put it, it on the photo stream or something. That, that's all I need. It's the same thing.
2: Oh, we have to cover this another night because this this is something that yeah. Look, I just I can't. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speechless.